Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 8th of July, 2021 Hong Kong Stories Podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Many of our listeners in Hong Kong, at least those who attend in the local school system, will be celebrating the end of school this week. Yes, finally, our hardworking students get a few days of rest. It's not only students who are celebrating, though. Parents and teachers are also looking forward to some time away from the books. Competitive education is challenging for everyone. This week, as we prepare to give our brains some well-deserved downtime, we'll be listening to a story from Leslie about her experience in a Hong Kong school. After Leslie, we hear from another Hong Kong teacher, Jen. Before we get to today's stories, though, a huge and kind of sweaty hug goes out to our loyal hometown listeners. We hear you, Hong Kong. We are listening. Hearty hellos go out to our overseas listeners as well. This week, especially to listeners in Singapore and Singapore, Macau in Macau, and Tung Hanuk, Pennsylvania in the USA. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Those of you who are listening hard for the tagline at the end of last week's podcast will have been disappointed. Somehow, I managed to cut almost three minutes from the end of the episode. I've gone back and re-recorded so you can hear the end of Salmai's excellent story. Apologies to our listeners for any trouble caused. Our August 5th show, which has the theme Bustin' Out, is sold out. And in record time. We'll be podcasting the stories eventually, though, so you won't miss the stories entirely if you don't have a ticket. You'll just have a longer wait. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. And now with a story from our May 2021 show that had the theme Curious, here is Leslie. In 2003, I was a student teacher at Hong Kong U and sent to a school with a very long name in the New Territories. On my first day, I negotiated an unfamiliar bus route, walked through a faceless housing estate, through the school playground, up three flights of stairs, where I was met, I can't say greeted, and shown into an unwelcoming dingy room. This was the student teacher's room, and it had a colour scheme of sorrow and neglect. I felt detached from everything. I didn't really understand what I was expected to do. I had a mentor. She never made contact. The biggest challenge during my first week was finding my way to the classrooms and back to the dingy room. And I used a vacuous amount of time in between to plan lessons. But there wasn't anything like collaborative teaching. Moving the desks for group work was seen as radical. Hardly anyone spoke to me. No one got my jokes. I was so glad for the weekend. And week two started much the same, alone, isolated in the cell-like room. The door opened. A young woman came in, another human. 
And it took me a few seconds to realize she was inviting me to a meeting. I was curious, but I didn't ask too many questions, but I caught the word planning. Oh, okay, it's a planning meeting. Perhaps this school is actually interested in how I am their change agent. Change agent was the buzzword at Hong Kong U at the time. So next day at first break, I found my way to the big staff room where the proper teachers were based. I tentatively opened the door to find the room quite silent, but just a circle of office chairs in one corner and some people were gathering there. And they saw me and gestured for me to join them. So I made my way through the maze of desks all piled high with marking and I, I took my place in the circle, scanned the, the faces to see maybe the elusive mentor is one of them. And then the, the woman who was leading this meeting began and she said, let us pray. And everyone bowed their heads. Thank you. Amen. This obviously wasn't their first time. I wondered if the planning part would start now. And then the leader said, we'll have a hymn. And then they all started to sing, but they weren't as familiar with the hymn as they were with the prayer. And it was mumbling and stumbling and mouthing the words. When it came to the chorus, it was a plucky effort, but it wasn't great. They were obviously relieved when they got to the end, not as relieved as me. But then the enthusiastic leader went, and one more time. And then the mumbling and stumbling over the song had to start again. Uh, the light dawned, if you'll pardon the pun. This wasn't a planning meeting. It was a prayer meeting. All this meeting had made me do was want to flee. Could I run now? Um, uh, the, the closer it was getting to me, to my turn to speak, um, I was trying to think of something to say. I was like, what should I say? I, I know, I'll say I need a job. I need a job with a contract, medical maybe. No, 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 don't say that, don't say that. This is only week two, you have no idea what's going on here. Like, oh, no, 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 I, don't, I won't say that. I know, I'll ask some questions. I have many. Why do you keep the students standing for so long in morning assembly when at least three of them faint every day? Why is there no hand soap? Why is there no toilet roll? Why have I been allocated one roll of toilet paper that I have to share with another teacher, and why does she keep it in her locker? <laughs> but I didn't say any of that, and I started inwardly rehearsing a sort of strategy to leave. Um, but no, I have, I have questions. Oh no, I've done that bit, sorry. <laughs> I, I, st I inwardly rehearsed my strategy to leave. I would say, um, mm, I would say, thank you for inviting me. Um, religion, religion is not part of my life, and if you don't mind, I'll, I'll be leaving now. And I would casually get up and walk away. But, um, it didn't, come, it didn't come out quite like that, and I panicked and just blurted, thank you for inviting me, religion's not part of my life, I'm leaving now. And I, and I made to get up to go, but the leader raised her eyebrows and looked at me and said that maybe 
maybe the principal of the school could explain to me the importance of Christianity and faith. And she pointed to the man next to me. My heart sunk. I tried to fix the casual smile, but I probably just looked stunned. No one had introduced me to the most important person in the school, and no one had told me he was sitting right next to me. It was his turn to share, and he directed his sharing to me, and he looked at me and said that when he came to Hong Kong from China as a young man, he hadn't had the luxury of deciding whether to have religion in his life or not, and I needed to appreciate that I was lucky to have such freedom. He said, <laughs> I stayed. I smiled and nodded. I am polite. Or maybe I'm just a coward. But I stayed in the meeting. Perhaps the word Christian in the name of the school was a big clue I had missed. <laughs> for the next few weeks when it came to prayer time, I took myself off for a little walk, thought good thoughts, came back refreshed and ready to teach and didn't apply for a job there. Thank you. We hope all of our hardworking teachers are taking some time off and thinking good thoughts this summer. Not every school is going to suit every student or even every teacher. And we're glad Leslie took her time and tried different places. And we hope that you have options and can explore too. The second story we have for you today was first published in February 2019. Here is Jen. Keith, sit up properly and read. Across the library reading area from me, 13-year-old Keith is slouched so far down on the sofa that his head is clinging to the backrest, and his book is flat on his belly. At my rebuke, he slowly sits up, holds up his book, and stares out the window. This is classic. Every week, I take my students to the library for half a period of free reading. Anything they want. No book reports, no exams attached. A few of them get into it and are eager readers but most of them think that I bring them there to torture them. What they don't know is that they're actually torturing me. I love reading. Reading is adventure and escape, solace, right? Well, they don't agree. And I know that in Hong Kong, exams are king, and most of them think that reading is just something you do to get through a test. But that's why I give them this wonderful gift of freedom to read whatever they want just for pleasure. And yet they resist it. I'm not alone in this struggle. There are signs of it everywhere. Literally in the case of a Catholic primary school that I recently walked by. Outside the school was a huge banner with letters proclaiming, we love reading. And it was crammed with pictures of kids in groups or sitting alone, each child with a book. When I look closely, I realize that some of the kids seem to be chatting with each other. Others are like my Keith, staring off into the middle distance. And then I notice that the books are actually hovering in front of the children because they've been photoshopped into the banner. To cap it all off, there's one kid fixed behind a book that's propped up so that you can see the title. 
And apparently this young Catholic scholar was reading The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. So it's a bit of a struggle. I'm sure that these people are sincere in their effort to try and get people to read, but the fact that they couldn't scare up any actual footage of their students with books in their hands shows you how dire the situation is. I don't give up, though. I try to use coming-of-age stories with my students because I think that it'll interest them, something they can relate to. And I tried to do this with To Kill a Mockingbird a few years ago. I love this story. I love the humor. I love the characters. I love the way the evil of injustice is amplified by its description through a child witness. And I was sure that I could make my class of 14-year-olds love it too. I knew they'd need some background, and I also thought I might need to hype the book a bit. So for the more exam-oriented of them, I emphasized what an important and famous piece of literature it is. One girl, Sirius Natalie, looked at me and said, are you sure that everybody in Canada and America reads this book in high school? Absolutely. If you study overseas, everyone will have read this book. Sirius Natalie and her clique exchanged glances. They all were dying to go to school in a place that looked like the, music, the high school musical school in that film. And, but they were really nervous about going overseas because there was always the fear of not fitting in. So while they took this information in, I looked over and saw that Darren and Melody and some of the less academically inclined kids didn't look impressed. So to them, I said... And the reason people love it is because it's so exciting. It's kind of a mystery adventure story. And then I turned to my book to a section that I'd bookmarked near the front. So, for example, the character Scout has this neighbor whom nobody ever sees because he only comes out at night. And the children say he dined on raw squirrels and any cats he could catch. That's why his hands were bloodstained. If you ate an animal raw, you could never wash the blood off. Sirius Natalie looked horrified, but so did Darren and Melody, and they were leaning forward in their seats to hear more. So now that I had them hooked, we did a little kind of a history-ish lesson on the American South and the Civil Rights Movement, and we were ready to go on. I told the class to read the first chapter and get ready for the next lesson. The next day, I was mobbed by a group led by Darren and Melody as I walked into the classroom. They were asking me if we could read the chapter aloud in class. Well, I often did read aloud, so it wasn't pretty normal, and I wasn't as suspicious about that request as I should have been. I started with Melody, because she'd been one of the ones asking, but suddenly she seemed unenthusiastic and really determined to rush through her bit. After a few rapid paragraphs, I told her to stop and asked for volunteers. Hands shot up all around the room. Wow, I thought, they're really into this. I called on Jeremy, who sat near the back and never volunteered for anything. He picked up where Melody left off. We were too old to settle an argument with a fistfight, so we consulted Atticus. Whoa, Jeremy, slow down, honey. We stop where we pause for commas and full stops. But after a few rapid-fire paragraphs, I had to stop him, too. Again, hands shot up, and this time kids were literally lifting themselves out of their seats in an effort to get their hands in the air as high as possible. I called on Darren, but warned him that he should take his time. Okay, Miss Horgus, I will. And there were some chuckles around the classroom. 
He started off a little bit faster than I would have liked, but he slowed right down when he got to the top of page four. Atticus urged them to, to, to take the state's generosity and to plead guilty to second-degree murder and escape with their lives. But they were Haverfords. In Maycomb County, a name synonymous with jackass! And the class exploded with laughter. I told Darren to stop, and again, hands went up all around the room. I scanned through the paragraph. Sure enough, four lines down was the phrase, son of a bitch. I tried to call on Natalie who just did not have her hand up. But she just gave me a dead-eyed stare and shook her head. So I called on one of the less manic-looking kids with their hand up and thought, at least it'll be over soon. After that paragraph, nobody else wanted to read for the rest of the lesson. The good news is they had all read the chapter, and they continued reading actively all the way to the end of the novel just not for the reasons that I'd hoped. It was not one of my more glorious moments as a teacher, but it has given me a new strategy. Now, when I'm faced with a reluctant reader like young Keith, I say, Keith, you don't look so happy with that book. So boring. Okay, okay, come with me. And we head into the library shelves. I look for a book that I think will interest him. Take it down and start to flip through the pages. Hmm, I wonder why the librarian brought this book for his school. And as Keith leans over to look, I close it and say, Keith, I think this book might interest you, but there's some language in here that's really not appropriate for teenagers. If I let you read this book, will you promise me that you are not going to be using foul language all around school? He nods and takes the book. He's got it open and he's scanning the first page before he even gets back to his seat. I admit, this trick does not turn every kid into a lifelong reader. And it is a bit of a devious way to get a book into a child's hands, but it's way better than Photoshop. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's stories, brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. Music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. У каждого есть что рассказать.